Hi, welcome to Grace Intersect. The goal of this podcast is to help us have an increasingly clear understanding of grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining today. This episode is a bit of a prequel and a bit of a sequel to the previous one. If you haven't heard it yet, please consider listening to it before continuing with this episode. History is a great teacher if we are willing to be students. The lessons of history, when learned, are hard to ignore. Paula, thank you for joining us today. Some of what I'm hearing from you is that during the time of my heart issue, I was trying to deny reality of it. As you've talked about the spiritual journey, it appears that there could have been some denial of the reality of grace involved. I guess what was so hard for me in some ways during those years is I could tell that you still had blinders on, and yet I saw you so sincerely and fervently seeking the Lord. And so it was so confusing. It was like, God, just, you know, tell him. He's he's asking, but you weren't hearing. I don't understand how that works, but I think the Lord just kept allowing circumstances in our lives that woke you up. I'll just say I think it was an awakening, a grace awakening. Well, and from my perspective, I would say that that was a recognizable and ongoing process that was happening within, but it wasn't necessarily shared with you in a way that would be obvious to you. It wasn't a matter of a sudden awakening. It was an unfolding of an understanding of grace, but not just an understanding of God's grace, but what do you do with it and how do you live it out? That was a struggle to understand that because the legalism of the rules, there's something concrete about that. In relationship with grace, with God, in a love relationship, it's not as concrete. Everything seems to be more subjective. And so it's hard to know how to understand all that. Well, and when when you're sincerely seeking the Lord, you still have all those sermons in your head where someone misrepresents scripture and, and not necessarily out of a heart to misrepresent. They misunderstood it. And so it was misrepresented. Or there are certain scriptures that you read and you hear them the way they were taught to you when you were 12. And that's not what God meant. It's hard sometimes to shut down our wiring and hear things in a fresh new way. I heard, actually heard this on the radio. You know, sometimes you remember the exact spot you were when you heard something because it was so impacting. And so I was right by that car dealership where I bought my car coming up the hill toward the stoplight. And the guy on the radio said something along the lines of, you know, we tend to wear glasses as we read scripture based on our past He encouraged listeners, try a different version of the Bible than the one you're used to, to see if you can see new things in Scripture. When I started doing that, I remember being shocked by what some of these verses that I, some of it I had even memorized, but studied or whatever, like what I was reading in this other translation sounded so different. And I would go back and get the translations I used to read in, and I would be like, oh my goodness, that is what it says, this new way that I see it. But I never saw it before. I'd read those scriptures so many times with these glasses on of all the teaching that I'd had before that I couldn't see the truth in them. I think, you know what, you and I someday, maybe 10 years from now, we're talking about a 10-year span here, a little over 10 years, really, if we go back to this recent heart attack. So we're kind of talking about three heart attacks and connecting them, and that's what started this podcast. But 10 years from now, you and I will probably sit down and stare at each other and go, gosh, 10 years ago, we thought we understood God's grace. We had no idea how big and wonderful it is, because that's the journey we're on. 
it's oh, always totally, bigger than us. I totally agree. I tell people all the time when they say, you seem to have found a higher sense of peace or whatever. Yeah, I have. But years from now, I expect that to even be beyond what I, what I understand it to be now. Right. As glorious and as wonderful <laughs> as it is. It's absolutely not over. It's not. Yeah. It, and the glorious and the wonderful doesn't always feel that way in the no. moment. I think we apply it to new situations as we go through life's transitions. Even the truth that we so joyously embraced at one point, we reprocess it to try to figure out how it applies to our new situation. And it can be hard to walk out again. I think it's important for people to understand that our journey is not unusual in the sense of there is more to understand about God's grace. I'm glad I'm not where I was, but I'm looking forward to where somewhere better that I'll be even yet in the next year, 10 years, whatever. During that time, God was not a condemning God. Sometimes I thought he was. God was not a God of judgment. Sometimes I thought he was. That whole time, he was a God of love, of care. He was willing to take me at my speed, always open-armed. Looking back, it's easier to see that. At the time, you're processing all of it, and it's like, how does it fit? But looking back, it's just amazing to me how differently I see God now than what I saw him then. What you went through with me put you in the same situation in a lot of ways. You had to depend on God to help me see what I needed to see, and at the same time, trust him to help you see what you're going to see. All of that without condemnation or judgment. Well, you made a comment earlier today, looking back on this era, you're like, oh, it's so crazy. It's not like God was sitting there smacking his head going, really? What are you thinking? And I think that's how we look at ourselves and we put that pressure on ourselves. But God's not doing that. He's just kind of like, well, I knew this was your process and I got all the time that you need. We've lived through, and a lot of people have, a false image of God. And that false image of God hamstrings us, it holds us back, it boxes us up, it creates a fear in which we live, and it makes you wonder, why would anybody want to associate with a God like that? And come to see God for who he really is, with the incredible love that he has, it's crazy to think that people wouldn't want that. But they don't know him that way, and he's not always taught that way. Absolutely not. So I am very grateful for the awakening, for the enlightenment, for the incredible, fresh understanding of God. It makes my relationship with him much more personal and intimate than it was before. There were times when I felt very much intimately in, in touch with God, but not in a fullness that I experience now. Yeah, I think that the Lord is joyfully revealing himself to us constantly I think it delights him every moment that we experience him, whether it's in a really full life-changing way or little tiny glimpses. And I think when we look back, we can see glimpses along the way that kept us going on that right path. Now, since the heart attack that almost took you, the second one that almost took you, there's a broader understanding. It's like the landscape, the total landscape has changed, whereas before it was more episodic. It's kind of frustrating looking back to say, why did it take 70 plus years for this to happen? It is frustrating because 50 years ago, I maybe thought I was on the cutting edge of certain kinds of thought, at least as it relates to my religious background. And you were. But it's totally insufficient. <laughs> but God's not, and he was patient, and here we are, talking about his grace now. 
and it took all that time for me to get to where I am. How much longer is it going to take to get to where I want to be, which is beyond anything I can imagine at this point. Well, so that... I think that all culminates in heaven. I don't, I don't think there's any perfect, complete, what does scripture say now? We see through a glass darkly, then we shall see face to face. God has been gracious even when I didn't know his grace. He has demonstrated through you and through so many other people, but just through himself in his revelation to me, his love in ways that go beyond description. I'm a very blessed person to be where I am. Thank you for being a big, big part of that. I love you. I love you. Okay, so let's get back on track for the story we started to tell. Oh, is there more? <laughs> I think we've sufficiently helped people see that grace is a journey, even though it's fully and completely offered to us any moment that we're ready to reach for it and accept it. Well, it's always offered for us. Learning to live it is a journey. I think we've established that. But let's go back to the story and just show how entrenched <laughs> we can be sometimes in our fears. Really, I think that's a lot of what was going on was uh, fears, fear of your health, fear of putting us through what you had gone through as a child or you'd watch your mom go through with your dad, fear of finances that were already crumbling. What, what were you going to do to take care of us? You were feeling all of these burdens. You were carrying so many burdens that you really were paralyzed. And so for 10 days, I knew that you needed heart treatment. You needed to get in and have an angiogram and have your heart looked at. And for 10 days, you were not moving. At one point, I got a phone call from a friend and she said, hey, can you help with something at the school? And I just said, let me tell you what's going on here. And I told her, you know, that you had some heart issues and we were trying to get help and I wasn't available to help with anything. And she hung up on me. Like she didn't even say a real goodbye. The phone just kind of clicked and it was really awkward. And I didn't understand what had just happened. And then I got an email from her later and she said, I'm sorry, I hung up so abruptly. I couldn't speak because this morning the Lord told me to pray that your husband wouldn't die. That's really how serious it was at the time. You were on the brink of death and yet you were sitting at your computer and trying to figure out how to pay for a test for your heart. I remember your sister calling me and saying, you got to get Jerry to the hospital now. And I said, but I'm having a hard time getting there. He's trying to find a place. He thinks he's maybe found a place where there's a, a discount or some help for people without insurance. And she said, if this thing goes, Paula, you won't get him there in time. And she's an RN. And I knew that she wasn't speaking out of fear. She was speaking out of education. And I remember gently saying, so Darlene talked to me today and talking to you about what she said. And you just totally blew me on and her off. Well, she can be that way sometimes. And you wouldn't listen. And finally, I talked you into, promise me we're going to go to the hospital. We, we have to go. You're feeling worse. You can tell we have to go. And you said, okay. And I found people to take care of our children. Dropped a couple off with a good friend, sent Seth away on a, I think he was playing hockey in Nebraska or something, sent him off on the bus. Sarah had people she was with. I thought we were going to the hospital and you said, well, I'm not going tonight because if I go, I'm just going to sit in the ER all night and I'm just not going tonight. I'm going to sleep. And I said, well, okay, if you're not going tonight, I need your promise that we can go in the morning. And you said that you would. And it was such a sleepless night because I could tell this was on the brink. The next morning, you went down to your computer. I just about called it a cuss word. You went down to your computer and you started researching again on how to get a hold of people who could help us financially before you were willing to go into the hospital. Finally, I was just, honey, we have to go. We have to go now. 
I think it took two hours to get you out the door because you were trying to shower and get dressed and you were so bad. That's how long it took you to get dressed and get in the car. So we finally pulled into the hospital. I'm, I'm exposing it all, honey. We finally pulled into the ER at this hospital where we had heard there might be help for people who didn't have insurance. You said, well, I'm not going in there. I said, why? <laughs> you said, it's almost noon. And if they charge by the half day, I'm going to have to pay for a full day. I'm not going in there till afternoon. And I said, okay. I said, there's a park bench by the back door here. Why don't you sit there? And I will go park the car. I knew you couldn't walk from the parking lot. I'll go park the car and I'll sit with you on the bench until noon. But then we are going inside. Noon came and you said, well, that guy I've been trying to get a hold of, he might be at lunch. I think I need to make one more phone call. I said, one more phone call, Jerry. Then we're walking through this door. We got you through the door. It was a Catholic hospital. And I remember they whisked you off so fast. And I was still with the lady doing the paperwork. And I said, I've been trying to get my husband help for so long. She said, honey, we're not going to turn you away. We're going to take care of you. And I just burst into tears because it had been, I really do think it was 10 days from when the doctor told you to get an EKG to the day that you finally checked into the hospital. You know, the rest of the story is you had a operation, well, they don't call it an operation, do they? Uh, you had a procedure mm -hmm. where they went into your heart and placed a stent in what um, they call the widow maker. And later, didn't you see paperwork? And it was 98% closed. Was that the right number? I think it was 99. <laughs> oh. After the stent, you were a new man. Came home from the hospital, you hopped out of the car, walked across the parking lot into King Supers to get your prescription. Total different because your heart was now functioning. Wow, lo and behold, God just paid for that whole operation, put us in touch with the program for people with no insurance, and it never even affected us financially. Looking back, it's just so incredible to think how good I am at denying reality. I mean, I knew that this was serious. I didn't quite know. Maybe I didn't even want to believe it was as serious as it was. But I still was denying the reality of it to the extent that I wasn't willing to proceed more quickly. And that, that, that that's... <laughs> do you remember that walk we took after you were feeling better? We had been home a few days and we took a walk. I looked at you as we were walking and I said, Jerry, you will never do that to me again. And I cussed at you and I don't usually cuss. <laughs> I cussed at you. I said, you'll never do that to you, to me again. And you looked back and you said, yeah, that was a little, you, I forget your exact words, but it was like really downplaying it again, like, well, that was a little too long, wasn't it? Or something like that. And I was like, you think? And I come back to this whole thought that we do the same thing in our spiritual journey. Sometimes we see glimpses of grace. We don't know what to do with them. We don't want to just accept them for what they are because that's too good to be true or something. We just can hang on and draw it out and put it off and try to figure it out. I, I don't know. I think there's sort of this thing like we feel unworthy, like it can't be this good. It has to be about us somehow. Somehow we have to be worthy of this or earning this or proving ourselves. It's somehow got to be about us. It can't just be completely freely given, but it is. Yeah, it's it's all about what he did for us. We just have to say yes. We just have to accept it. And I think it can come from both sides of pride. Pride can be that 
I'm good thinking highly of ourselves, but pride is also thinking lowly of ourselves. I think this resistance to grace, to receiving unconditional love comes from both parts. And I, most of us probably, I think all of us have both parts, whether we show both parts to the world. We have the part that thinks we don't need it. We're doing okay on our own or whatever. We also have the part that doesn't feel worthy of it. Sometimes the we thinking we don't need it is masking the we actually are feeling unworthy of it. Feeling unworthy is pride too, because we are made in the image of God. We are precious to him and he looks at us as his beloved creation. We are of great worth and great value to him. So even looking at ourselves as worthless or not valuable or unworthy or any of those things, failures, all those words we put on ourselves, even that is really pride because we're thinking about ourselves again. We're not thinking about the God who made us, the God who's perfect, the God who created us in his image. Our humanness calls on us to deny the reality of grace. And then when we begin to see it, We get caught in the reality of denying it, and we see that we're denying it, and we don't even know quite what to do with that. But God's grace and patience and love continues and brings us to a point when we can have this clear intersection with him that says, just accept it. Just take it. It's free. It's who I am. It's what I want for you. It's the best. We can do that. Yeah, sometimes we try to make ourselves pay our penance or whatever, and he's like, why are you doing that? Why are you hurting yourself? Why are you denying yourself? I'm denying you nothing. Anything more you want to say? I think it would be good maybe to start from this point of when you came home and and maybe work up to the more recent heart attack. Not the one last two weeks ago, but the one uh, 2017. I think there's more to kind of talk about and unpack, but maybe that's for your next podcast or something. Oh, a little teaser. Let's do that. Let's let's maybe cut it here, but I think there's more. Thank you for being willing to participate with us. I appreciate that. Jerry, it's a great joy to see you in that green field and calling others into the green field with you. It brings me such pride and joy and pleasure to watch your journey. I'm proud of you and I love you. Thank you for being a beautiful flower in that field. <laughs> hey, and you think you're not poetic. <laughs> All right, we'll call it for now. Thank you for listening today. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer, and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. And as we process grace together, please know that your thoughts and questions are always welcome. If you have some comments, you may make them at graceintersect.com or by emailing comments at graceintersect.com. Thank you. Have a great day.